0: at loveisrael.org. That's one word loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: When a person walks in obedience to the will of God, they are going to encounter conflict. The world that we're living in is a world that is opposed to the righteous standards of God. And as we draw near to the last days, we are going to see more and more opposition. There is going to be more conflict and not less conflict in this world. And therefore, we need to learn the principles of behavior, how we deal with those that are opposed to us. And our scripture today gives us this framework to understand the opposition, the conflict, And what we need to do to be found faithful in the midst of these things, living a praiseworthy and a God-honoring life. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Joshua and chapter 10. The book of Joshua and chapter 10. Now, we saw last week that Israel made a disobedient covenant. They did not pray and seek God's counsel and therefore they were deceived. They were deceived by what's called the residents or the inhabitants of Givon. These people were from the land of Canaan, and they deceived the children of Israel by professing to be from a faraway place and presenting manufactured evidence that they were indeed those who had traveled a great distance. And now we're going to see that because of that, Israel's going to go to war. Take out your Bible and look with me to verse 1. As I said, Joshua chapter 10 and verse 1. We read here, And it came about when Adonai Tzedek, the king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had captured Ai and had utterly destroyed. Now, this phrase for utterly destroyed... We learn the Hebrew term cherem, and this is when we take and destroy everything, devoting it to God. And for the most part, this is what Joshua did. We learn that God allowed some plunder for a specific purpose, but the vast majority of things were destroyed. And this is cherem, which is a noun in a verbal form in the hifil, which means to cause or to bring about to act in a way that something is is brought about and here we're talking about this devoting this destruction of all that belong to i so when adoni Sedek, the king of jerusalem saw what joshua had did and he did just as he had done to jericho and its king thus He did to I and to her king as well. For after all of this, this same king of Jerusalem and very important Jerusalem, this same king saw that he had made peace, that is the children of Israel had made peace with the inhabitants of Givon. And it says here, they made peace with the inhabitants of Givon and with israel meaning that israel was the one who who established this covenant and it says here and they were in their midst now this last part of the verse and they meaning the the inhabitants of givon were in their midst meaning whose midst well we're talking about the the people of of jerusalem and the surrounding area Now, what this king, (coughs) Adoni Sedek is concerned about is that now you have a group of people who are in covenant with the children of Israel and they are dwelling in that same area as he is. And he's concerned that this people will pose a threat to them and likewise, instead of being unified against the children of Israel, They're seeing something, and he doesn't want it to be a trend, and that is other nations join with the children of Israel. So notice what happens. Look, if you would, to the next verse, verse 2. It says, and they feared exceedingly. Now, this word exceedingly means very. They were very afraid because it was a great city get owned as one of the royal cities. And this means that there had great assets and resources these people of Giv'on as one that resembled a royal city. For it was greater than I, meaning Giv'on was greater city with more inhabitants, more power, more resources than I. And all the men were, were mighty. They were mighty men of war. Look at verse 3. So Adoni the king of Jerusalem, he sent to Hoham, the king of Hebron, and to Piram, the king of Yarmut, and to Yephiah, the king of Lachish, and to Devir, the king of Eglon, saying. Now, what he's doing is forming his own coalition about those who are in his area in order to do something, to join with him for the purpose, and we'll come to this in a moment, for the purpose of destroying Giv'on. Why? To discourage any other people, nation, group joining with the children of Israel. He wants to say that if you join with them, We're going to come unified against you. And this is his plan, so he invites these other kings of the same location of him. And we read, keep going, in verse 4, where it says, he's speaking to these kings, and he says, "Uh, Come up with me and help me, and we will strike, give on, because they have made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Now, that verse shows us that they did not want any relationship with any of the nations with the children of Israel. They saw this as a threat they saw give own joining Israel as a very unfortunate trend, and they did not want other nations to follow suit. Look at verse 5. And they were gathered, who was gathered? The five kings of the Amorites. And they were gathered and they went up, and they went up with the king of Jerusalem, and the king of Hebron, and the king of Yarmut, and the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. They and all their camps, and they camped before Givon, and they made war with her. So we see clearly that this threat is now a reality. Givon soon is going to be attacked. And what did the men of Givon do? Look at verse 6. The men of Givon, they sent to to Joshua and to the camp that was at Gilgal saying, do not uh, be weak. Literally, it's an idiom. Don't let your hand go from your servants. In other words, we have made a covenant with you. We have promised to be your faithful servants. And therefore, because we have this agreement, you need to come to our assistance. You need to deliver us from this coalition of these five nations that are coming against us. So they ask for help and they say, Do not let your hand be weak from your servants. Come up unto us quickly and save us and help us. For they have gathered unto us all the kings of the Amorites, the ones who dwell in the mountain. Verse 7. Now because of this, We're going to see that Joshua and the children of Israel, because of this agreement, they are obligated to defend the residents of Giv'on. And Yeshua, Joshua, he knows this, and notice his response, look with me to to verse 7, and Joshua went up from Gilgal, him and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of value. There's going to be a response. Now, what we see is that the children of Israel are agreeing to do this, not just because of this covenantal obligation, but God's going to use it for their good because they are going to fight and we know something. They have to take possession of the land and they're going to have one conflict after another and therefore they might as well keep their word and their covenantal obligations and at the same time in being faithful to one's word honoring the vow that one makes they can also see their enemy being defeated and find the power from god to do what he has instructed them to do and that is to take possession of of the land of Canaan. Look now to verse 8. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear from them. When you are doing the right thing, you do not need to fear the enemy. For into your hand I have given them. No man from them will stand before you. Now, what God is doing, and we've seen this, in Jericho, and that is he's causing the fear of the Lord to fall upon these individuals. And realize the principle. Once someone is is in opposition to the will of God, they are not going to have peace. They are going to have a spiritual paranoia. They are going to be afraid. Now, when I say the fear of the Lord, we're not talking about that in the positive sense, which is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But we're talking once again as we did with Jericho, that the fear of the Lord when they heard what God had done with the children of Israel and destroying two kings of the Amorites that were on the eastern side of the Jordan. We've talked about how there was a shift. Those Amorites, they came into the promised land, in order to, to disconnect from the children of Israel, to flee in fear. And now the children of Israel are once again in their area, and there's going to have to be conflict. Look now to verse verse 8 where it says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear from them, because into your hand I have given them, and no man from them will stand before you. Verse 9. And Joshua came unto them, and notice that he came suddenly. Pit om is the Hebrew word. Now, what this is referring to is that the the men of Givon, they called for help, and they said, come hurriedly, But notice, Joshua, he did something. He came so suddenly and he traveled, and they weren't expecting this, that he traveled throughout all the night and went up from Gilgal. Now, this is a great example of when you have something to do in regard to God's will, do not delay, do not postpone, but immediately respond. When you have an opportunity to serve God, you need to respond with urgency and with quickness as a way of testifying. God, I want to do your will. And any unwarranted delay is going to give the enemy an advantage, an opportunity for the enemy to do something in order that you, in the end, will not carry out the will of God. So we need to be passionate, we need to be committed to respond in urgency to the things of god now verse 10. now when we are serving god yes there'll be conflict but what we need to realize is god as it is in work god is at work in the midst of this we need to affirm that meaning this when you find yourself in god's will serving him and opposition comes You can say, God, I praise you and thank you that you are in this situation. When we are serving God, God is going to be with us. And God will move mightily. He is going to cause a a spiritual paranoia to fall upon these people. They're not going to have peace. They're not going to have assurance. They're not going to have the confidence that we have knowing that God is, is working for that same objective, because we have submitted to him. Now, look at verse 10, what it says. It's the Hebrew word, vai humem Now, this is a word for disturbance. God is bringing about a disturbance. Now, with this word disturbance can be a sound, a loud noise that is, is very unsettling, And brings about, and hear this, bring about confusion. When someone is opposing God, God is going to strike them with with confusion. They're not going to see things correctly. So look at verse 10. And it says, And the Lord, he moved and he brought about confusion in regard to the children of Israel, meaning that this enemy were going to be confused before the children of Israel. And because they were in that situation confused, uh, uh, not of sound mind, that they were were sidetracked, you might say, what happens? And he struck them with a mighty strike at Giv'on. And they pursued them on the way to the, the, the increase to the house of Haron. Now, this is an, an aliyah, an increase, an in a road that leads up to what says here, the house of Haron, Haron, the Bet-Haron. And he struck them unto Azakah, unto Makedah. Now, what we see here, and where I live in Israel, Azekah is not terribly far from me. And we're seeing here that the children of Israel, they were pursuing, they went a great distance in order to make sure that the enemy was was put to death, that the enemy was destroyed. Look now to, to the next verse, verse 11, where it says, And it came about when they fled before Israel, that, that they were going down, now there was this up, and now there's going down this descent from the house of Haron Bet Huron. And notice what the Lord did. We saw something. God brings about a fear upon the enemy. Then he brings them into a confusion. That they are distracted, they don't see things properly, therefore they can't make the decisions that are proper. And then, notice that God's going to act and fight in our behalf. Notice what he says. And it's very significant when it says that as they were fleeing from before Israel, and they were on the descent of Bet-Horon, that the Lord cast upon them, and notice this, great stones from the heavens unto Azekah and they were put to death. And we'll talk more about them being put to death in a moment. But notice these great stones. Now, most of the commentators, because we're talking about boulders from heaven, most see this as hail coming forth. And these hailstorms, storms, these large pieces of hail, size of a boulder, you can imagine how destructive they are. And they brought about much death. To the extent, look again at our verse, verse uh, uh, 11 where it says, And they died, and then it says, More which were put to death by these stones of, and now we have the word barad, hell sto- stones, than the children of Israel killed with a sword. So, they put some to death, but the greatest amount of destruction and death of the enemy came from God himself. Meaning this, God will fight our battles. If we are in his will, committed to his purposes, doing his objectives, God's going to move. As I said, he's going to bring fear upon that enemy. He is going to bring confusion in the fullest sense of confusion. They are going to be distracted. They are going to not know an inner peace. They are going to be easily deceived. And God will lead them to the position where his attack will bring about their destruction and death. This is what he promises to do. God slayed more of the enemy the children of israel that's what the last part of verse 11 tells us verse 12 then joshua spoke to the lord now we're coming to a very interesting passage and this is how god will do miracles for his people so notice the the progression we see fear confusion God strikes them and then God does the supernatural in order that the enemy is totally defeated. God's going to give an absolute victory to his people. And we need to remember that when we find ourselves in some type of conflict, battle, dealing with the opponent and the enemy god is going to move in our behalf because we are in his will and we are committed to his purposes it says once more verse 12 then joshua spoke to the lord on the day that the lord gave the amorites before the children of israel now that's the second time that this is mentioned and the the word here is so important that God gave it speaks to God's sovereignty that God is able to do all things so look again Joshua spoke to the Lord on the day that the Lord gave the Amorites before the children of Israel and he said before the eyes of Israel so all of Israel's watching joshua speak now we can think of it as prayer but it's a verbal and audio prayer that he does in a public way before all the eyes of the children of israel now this is what's important normally we would say that one would speak before the ears of the people but this is before the eyes of the people why eyes are related to revelation. Now, we are having a first row seat because we're reading the scripture. And when we read the scripture, and this is so significant, and that is we get God's perspective on an event. If we were just there watching ourselves, we may be focusing upon the wrong things, and we might just understand by listening to Joshua, rather than understanding that this is a a. Purpose of revelation, God giving revelation. So all the people heard Joshua speak, but it says, and he said to the eyes of Israel, what did he say? O sun, and this is S U N, O sun at Givon, stand still, and the moon in the valley of Ayalon. Now, what we see here is he's speaking to both the sun and the moon or about them to God that they would stand still. One in, in Givon and the other one in this valley. What it says here, this valley of I alone Verse 13. He spoke this, now imagine, a man commanding that the sun doesn't moon, move. Now, that would bring about in the natural if any scientists heard that that the moon and the sun would just cease to to continue they would say that would bring a cosmic disaster to this world and what we find here is that it's teaching us that this world is not dependent upon the natural but upon god god is able to do all things he's able to freeze things time and and the outcome that what we would think would come about because of the sun standing still and the moon not moving, we would think that that would bring about disaster for all of his creation. But God is the maintainer of all things. Verse 13. Joshua requested this and it says, And the sun stood still, and the moon, the moon stood, meaning, It remained unto, and notice this, until the the nation, the nation placed vengeance upon its enemy. Now, I want us to look at this word for vengeance. Now, vengeance belongs to God, but when we're in his will, we're going to see that God's going to move for us to be, and here's the key, vindicated god's vengeance brings about our vindication now all of this should have been a sign not just to the sign of israel that is revelation to them but also to the others they should have seen that things were were suspended in a supernatural way and why god god does the supernatural for his people you need to write that down and remember that in difficult times of times of hardships of times of of spiritual conflict when you feel the enemy is getting the best remember that God does just that he will move supernaturally for his people God will do the miraculous for us in order that we have that vindication that victory that God wants for his people now notice something else how the children of Israel reference here with the word goy. If you're not looking at the original language, you may not know this. It might just say people or nation, but it's the term goy. Now, most people know that this word goy is, for the most part, a word that references non-Jews, those who do not have a covenantal relationship with God. But I've mentioned several times that when we go back to the Abrahamic covenant, It teaches us that Israel is going to become a great goy, goy gadol. And we see prophetically, when Israel is being brought into obedience and this transformation of a people who were faithless to a people who were faithful, faithful, God is going to call call them to be a goy. And this all goes back to that Abrahamic covenant and the fulfillment of of God's promise so it says the sun stood still and the moon stopped until he executed vengeance this nation this goy upon its enemies and surely this act now notice it was so pronounced it was written down recorded in the book of of yesher now I would say something Many people look at this and say, well, yasher, that must be someone. It is not. The word Yeshar is straight or upright. And this is the book of uprightness. And many of the rabbinical scholars point out this. It's called the upright book or the book of that which is straight, meaning this. When we behave like the children of Israel. Now, they could have simply said, we're not going to get involved. Let this, these people be put to death. They're also enemies of us. God never intended us to make this, this uh, covenant with them. And therefore, maybe now God is rising up this coalition of five, five nations in order to do something. And that is to put to death the residents of Giv'on, because that's what we should have done. Now, I mentioned this five-king coalition, but I want to go back and look at something. We have the king of Jerusalem, but then when we go forth further, we say that's not only the king of Jerusalem, but it's the one of Hebron, and also the one of Yarmut, and also Lachish and Devir and or or Devir who is the king of Eglon so when we look at all of them we see that it is Adonij Sedek the king of Jerusalem Hoham the king of Hebron and Piram the king of Yamut and Japhir the king of Lachish and Devir the king of Eglon Five in total. Now, I want to mention that because I've said to you numbers are important. And the number five is incomplete, that which is lacking. And here's the principle for us. When we are opposing the things of God, we will find ourselves in lacking. We will find shortages. We will not have what's necessary to to accomplish what we want to do. And we're going to be because of this lacking this shortage, it's going to put produce a spiritual frustration. So when we are opposing the will of God, we can expect to be frustrated, to have no peace, we're going to have fear. There's going to be that spiritual conclu- uh, confusion, and then we're going to see that we're battling first and foremost God. And God is going to do the supernatural in order to be faithful to his covenant people and to to exert vengeance upon those who are in opposition. Now, this is a major message of this, this passage. Look again at the second half of verse 13. It says, Surely it is written in the upright book, the Sefer Hayashar, the book of uprightness, that the sun stood still for half the heavens, meaning that for a significant period of time that day, the sun did not move. It stood still in that half of the heavens, and it did not move quickly to come that day to its its conclusion, meaning where it was supposed to be. Now look at verse 14. And we read here that there was not a day such as this day before or after when the Lord heard the voice of a man and when the Lord fought for Israel. Now this is a unique event. And we see something, and what I look at and find here is restoration. The children of Israel did the wrong thing in making this agreement with Givon. But when you give your word, you're obligated. And Joshua's under his leadership, the people stayed true to this covenantal obligation. They did what they were supposed to, and when we do what we are obligated to do. God is going to move mightily. It was uncomfortable to do this. It was was something that I'm sure was controversial to go to war, but they honored their word and God responded. It says, he fought for the children of Israel. Look at our last verse, verse 15. And Joshua returned and all of Israel with him to the camp that was at gilgal the gilgal camp now what we see here is that gilgal is uniquely tied to something and that is gilgal is a a heap where the children of israel found their reproach being rolled away gilgal from the word rolling and it speaks about this heap as well of foreskins that were placed there and the message is this When we are obedient, and that's an important word, when we are obedient, we are walking in redemption. Redemption. Remember, Gilgal, they celebrated Passover, Passover, the festival of redemption. When we are walking in redemption, it is going to produce obedience. And obedience brings about, because there's a reference to Gilgal, where they were circumcised. Circumcision. Circumcision is the death of the flesh, rendering it powerless. And what the Bible is teaching here is this. When we are faithful to God, that faithfulness is going to weaken and bring about a destruction of our flesh in order that we are alive and functioning in the spirit. And that's good news because Paul tells us in Romans 8 verse 4, when we walk not in the flesh, but in the spirit, we fulfill the righteousness of the law. And this is what the children of Israel were doing. They were executing righteousness. They were doing God's will and in the midst of this, they were in the process of receiving the inheritance of the land. And this is my final point, and that's this. When we are obedient, when we are committed to the objectives, the purposes of God, we are going to find ourselves being made to inherit, to receive the promises of God. So all of this is a process. We remain faithful, and God goes to work. What does he do? One last time. God brings a supernatural paranoia upon the enemy that they are fearful. And God strikes that enemy with confusion that they won't make good decisions. And God is going to, remember that descent, God is going to bring them down. And in that bringing them down, God is going to put forth upon them his punishment, his judgment, remember those things stones uh, of hailstones that fell upon them and God is going to do the miraculous for that enemy to be no more he'll do the supernatural the miraculous in order that in the end there is an absolute victory a total triumph and in the end we are going to be recipients we're going to receive that promise that God gave to us we're going to be heirs of the good things of God This is what we see in this first half of Joshua chapter 10. Well, I'll close with that until next week and we press on in this chapter. Until then, may God bless you. Shalom from Israel.
0: Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website